0: Hello and welcome to the Business Standard Morning Show. I'm Kanishka Gupta. It's the 23rd of January, 2024. And here are the questions we will be answering today. Is Flipkart's $60 billion valuation realistic? Does India's school education need a relook? Where is RIL stock headed? And what is multidimensional poverty? The IPO of Walmart-owned Flipkart has been in the works for a while now. In 2022, the e-commerce firm had internally raised its IPO valuation target to 60 to $70 billion. Before that, it was $50 billion. Two years on, while the IPO is still elusive, the company has now raised $600 million from Walmart but its current valuation is still below its 2021 peak of $38 billion. So is a $60 billion target realistic? Kasturiya Khildayal's experts for clarity. Walmart-owned Flipkart is facing a
1: formidable competitor, Amazon. And both the US-headquartered giants control over 60% of Indian e-commerce space. Reliance, meanwhile, is a distant third. It is in contrast to China, where local players such as Alibaba Group and JD.com are dominating the market. According to analysts, India's e-tailing sector is poised to experience a five-fold growth, surging to an estimated $300 billion by 2039 from $59 billion in 2022, fueled by value-seeking mass consumers. Experts also attribute it to adoption of e-commerce in Tier 2 and beyond cities. Flipkart, meanwhile, has emerged as the biggest player in India. A Red report says that its share in Indian e-commerce space was 48% in FY23. But while the revenue has been rising, the profit is still elusive. The company is trying to double down on its effort to raise funds. It also wanted to come up with an IPO But that plan has long been hanging fire. Reports say that it has now been deferred to 2025-2026. In 2018, the company bagged the biggest deal ever with Walmart, acquiring a roughly 77% stake for about $16 billion in the company. Recently, Flipkart has again raised fresh funds from Walmart, amounting to $600 million, as part of its latest financing plans to raise $1 billion to aid its strategic objectives. The company is trying hard to achieve profitability ahead of the listing in more ways than one. This includes creating an effective system of corporate governance, improving key finance operations and trimming down its workforce. The Latest financing is likely to value the firm at a 5 to 10 percent premium to its previous valuation of 33 billion dollars, attained after adjusting for fintech firm PhonePay's separation from the group in December 2022. So, what are the things that are in favor of Flipkart?
2: Five years ago, we had like multiple platforms, uh, the market is now somewhere consolidated. Uh, we've got two jobs. Clients like Amazon Flipkart ruling here and uh, some small lease platform which are still present. But largely the market is kind of consolidated. Uh, thirdly, I think most of these platforms have reduced discounts considerably as compared to what it was five years ago. With consolidation, with lesser number of players, with competitive intensity coming down, uh, discounts also you know, narrow down as a concept. Uh, fourth very important thing is the advertising revenue. So if you look at the digital advertising space, Uh, E-commerce is seeing massive traction. A lot of your search activity is now happening on e-commerce and not on Google, and this is a global trend. Uh, Global e-commerce companies are growing at about uh, 25% in terms of ad revenue, and Indian e-commerce companies are growing at more than 40% in terms of ad revenue. So ad revenue is a very big potential for kind of reducing losses or probably achieving a break-even for EBITDA for these companies. So I think these four, five factors put together uh, you know, Flipkart's valuation, uh, you know, is uh, quite justified.
1: With a gross merchandise value at $23 billion, Flipkart is the market leader in India with a strong horizontal presence as per Euro Monitor. Currently, 70% of its customers come from Tier 2 and Tier 3 cities. Moreover, a Red sea report revealed that during the 2023 festival season, Where e commerce retailers were expected to garner sales worth 90,000 crore rupees, the overall gross sales touched almost 47,000 crore rupees within the first week itself, with Flipkart alone garnering a business of about 29,600 crore rupees. However, in the financial year 2023, Flipkart India reported a consolidated loss of 4,890 crore rupees marking more than 40% increase over the previous fiscal, as per business intelligence platform Toffler. Its total revenue saw 9% growth from the previous year at 56,013 crore rupees in FY23. Business Standard had quoted a person familiar with the matter, saying that the company is still bleeding heavily and needs to show profitability before it goes for an IPO. Every year, the company requires $1 billion funding to make up for the losses. And taking all this into account, will Flipkart be able to achieve profitability in the next two years?
3: It will be difficult for Flipkart to aim at 60 billion uh, valuation for the IPO in the next two years as uh, the latest deals are happening around 35 billion, very close to the Walmart uh, deal valuation. The secondary markets uh, value such companies differently as compared to the private equity markets and that is amply clear when we had a host of uh, Internet platform companies getting listed at high valuations and then crashing post the initial bonhomie. I mean, even uh, Honasa, uh, Mama Earth, uh, the latest uh, one for the IPO, I mean, had to come down sharply on the earlier valuation expectations. So, unless we see a major turnaround and see healthy, sustainable profitability by FY25 for Flipkart, which I think is not possible, I don't see why such huge valuations would be accepted by the markets.
1: Industry observers say that Flipkart is making significant strides towards achieving profitability. But the path to achieving its $60 billion valuation goal in two years on the back of such heavy losses would not be one without challenges.
0: While Flipkart and Amazon struggled to turn profitable, there is no denying that consumers have gained a lot. They never had so many options and such a wide price range to pick from. The digital revolution has taken the retail sector by storm. It has tremendously helped students in learning too. In cities, smart boards have replaced the traditional blackboards. But in rural areas, the digital divide appears stuck. The Annual Status of Education Report 2023 has come out with a worrying report. It says that about 25% of rural youth in the age group of 14 to 18 cannot read a class 2 level text fluently or calculate basic math. Abhijit Kumar offers a peek into this report.
4: Just days after the prestigious Australian institution Deakin University opened its first campus in Gujarat's Gift City, the latest Annual Status of Education Report or Acer Beyond Basics Survey revealed an alarming gap in learning capabilities in India's school education. The Acer 2023 Beyond Basics survey indicates that nearly 25% of rural youth in the age group of 14 to 18 cannot read a standard two-level text fluently, even if it is in their native language. ACER, a nationwide citizen-led household survey that provides a picture of children's schooling and learning in rural India, added that more than half of the surveyed students aged between 14 to 18 struggles with basic division problems. Only 43.3% of the age group was able to solve such problems correctly. This math skill is usually expected in children between standard 2 and 4. While nearly 85% of the surveyed youth can measure length, using a scale when the starting point is 0 cm, the proportion drops sharply to 39% when the starting point is moved. In gender-wise comparison, female students do better than males in reading grade 2 second-level text in their native language. In contrast, male students do better than their female counterparts in arithmetic and reading English texts. However, the study mentioned that enrollment levels are rising in the secondary stage. According to the government, till FY 2022, the gross enrollment ratio in school for secondary students stood at 79.6%. But as per the ASER study, nearly 86.8% of 14 to 18 year olds are enrolled in an educational institution, including vocational training institutes. The percentage of youth not enrolled in any educational institutions differed greatly with increasing age. The percentage of 18-year-olds not enrolled was a high 32.6%, while it is 10.9% for 16-year-olds and 3.9% for 14-year-olds. Dheer Jhingran of the Nonprofit Language and Learning Foundation explains why the young minds are struggling with learning difficulties despite high enrollment rate.
5: The first is the quality of early childhood education. You know, when they're between three and six years old, that's really poor. And therefore, they're not ready for schooling when they actually join grade one. Also, the enabling conditions in our primary schools are always not great. The availability of teachers, the instructional time. You'll be surprised that in in several states last year, there were only 140 days of, uh, of teaching. And then, with teachers away for some time, it was even less. The teaching and learning process is of the type where children are mostly passive, they are chorally repeating after the teacher, or they are copying from the blackboard or the textbook, which is not great for learning.
4: The ACER report also brings out what's contributing as a hindrance in children's learning ability. Nearly 83% of male youth in rural areas aged between 14 and 18 years were engaged in agricultural work. Of the 76.6% were engaged in agricultural work for family, while 6.4% were working for others. The female youth outnumbered the male in agricultural work for family with 77.3%, while 8.1% were engaged in agri-work for others. There was a concerning drop in the learning ability of primary students as well. The basic reading ability of school students across all classes had dropped to pre-2012 levels, while basic math proficiency had declined to 2018 levels. But despite decades of investment in improving school education, why is India still grappling to deliver quality education?
5: One important reason is that uh, there's a lack of consistency in the vision and implementation. We've got many schemes and programs, but they don't seem to be working for long periods in a consistent manner. The second, as I said earlier, that we still have schools which have only one teacher for five grades at the primary level. Uh, we have uh, these basic enabling conditions are not there in all the schools, and we've not been able to solve for those, for example, libraries in every school. Third, I think, is the accountability and the focus on learning, which the Assar report
6: brings out. Uh, has not been very strong. You need to have professionally qualified teachers in place. So not only teachers, but professionally qualified teachers. And if we look at the uh, status of teachers, the shortage of teachers is so high, especially at the secondary and higher secondary level. It's around 19% teacher vacancy at secondary level, 24% at higher secondary level. And especially at the secondary education level, one of the important factors is presence of subject teacher. According to MHRD's data, in Bihar, for 1895 students, there is one English teacher. In West Bengal, for around 600 uh, students, there is one mathematics teacher. So how can we improve the quality of school education in India? Though we so much talked about there is no need for input, we have adequate resources, it should be outcome, but we still feel there there is need for more resources, resources towards teacher, we need to recruit teacher, we need to fill this vacancy. And the other thing is there should be outcome orientation in the whole education policy and budgeting. If you can't map the outlays and outcomes, then I mean, if you can't understand that where are the gaps, then even the policy won't help you to intervene. Despite persistent challenges, there is hope. Digital learning methods
4: expand in rural households. Nearly 90% of rural youth have access to smartphones today. Twice as many males than females are proficient in smartphone use. The survey found that almost 90.5% of youth uses social media. The Acer report emphasizes, the need for a reform of the primary education system in India. The integration of digital learning may provide a ray of hope, but experts believe that the number of children engaged in agricultural work needs to come down sharply for a promising future.
0: After the country's education, let us now turn our gaze to financial markets. Shares of India's most valuable company, Reliance Industries, have been slow movers at the poses. The stock performed in line with the markets in 2023 but big momentum over the last few weeks. Going ahead, will the December quarter results help the stock sustain its uptrend or will the stock turn an underperformer again? Nikita Vashish brings us a report.
1: Shares of Reliance Industries have been sanguine at the bourses for some time now, outperforming the markets only by a slim margin. Over the past one year, the stock has risen 23% on the BSE as against an 18% gain in the benchmark S&P BSE sensex. But the stock has managed to register this outperformance aided by the recent upswing while the stock underperformed the market until january 8 this year it ascended sharply january 9 onwards hitting an all time high of 2793 rupees on january 15 so what has proven to be the sudden shot in the arm for ril
3: yeah so being an underperformer being a large cap like hdfc bank reliance industry also an underperformer to a sideways performer the profit of opportunity, upcoming results which was declared yesterday, I have not seen the numbers to be very honest. So there was anticipation that, you know, these large caps need to contribute and that's how we did the catch up. And of course, uh, there was some amount of market gossip about some clarification coming through on the third quarter announcement as far as uh, green hydrogen is concerned. So, market was a bit about that. During
1: the December 2023 quarter, RIL reported 0.8% quarter-on-quarter decline in consolidated EBITDA, along with 0.7% dip in net profit. Lower fuel cracks and polymer deltas led to nearly 14% quarter-on-quarter drop in order to cash EBITDA, further impacted by lower throughput due to plant shutdown during the quarter. However, strong performance by retail and telecom segments offset the loss. A largely muted quarter, analysts believe, may lead to consolidation at the counter in the near term. Technically too, Santosh Meena of Swastika Investment says, Though RIL shares have broken out of a multi-month consolidation pattern, option data hints at some resistance near 2,800 levels. Once surpassed, they may hit 2,900 levels. Till then, it has support near its 20-day moving average of 2,650 level. That said, from a long-term perspective, analysts believe the Mukesh Ambani-led company's delivery on cash flow post its recent capex drive across verticals would shape the outlook.
2: We believe
6: uh, the o business to definitely pick pace. That's one uh, trigger that will augur well uh, for uh, RIL going ahead. Also, any... Uh, Developments in the new energy segment is expected to uh, bear uh, really well for RIL. Uh, There will be a lot of approval coming in in the telecom segment and expansion in the top line at least on the back of increased ARPU.
1: Analysts expect the stock to be a slow mover in the near term. However, results of the current phase of CAPEX in the O2C segment, along with expansion of telecom and retail businesses, should drive long-term outlook. On January 23, Q3 results and global cues will guide the markets.
5: He's making plans for an early retirement. Business Standard
0: Soaring indices are not only indicators of India's impressive economic growth, there are other metrics too. One of them is poverty. The number of people who are being pulled out of poverty every year. A recent Niti Ayog report said that India's multidimensional poverty has decreased from 29.17% in 2013-14 to 11.28% in 2022-23. But what is multidimensional poverty? Ayush Mishra explains. 24.8 crore Indians have escaped multidimensional poverty in past nine years. That's according to the findings of a recent discussion paper by the Niti Ayok, which credits the government for addressing all dimensions of poverty between 2013-14 and 2022-23. Uttar Pradesh, Bihar, and Madhya Pradesh witnessed the most substantial reductions in this regard, says the paper. Multidimensional poverty refers to an assessment that goes beyond traditional income-based measures of poverty and takes into account various dimensions of well-being and deprivation. While income or consumption-based measures focus solely on a person's economic status, Multidimensional poverty recognizes that poverty is a complex and multifaceted phenomenon that involves multiple interconnected factors. In various regions, individuals confront distinct challenges, encompassing issues like malnutrition, substandard living conditions, insufficient access to clean water, and the absence of essential amenities such as electricity and education. The Multidimensional Poverty Index or MPI employs a variety of criteria to comprehensively evaluate conditions across different areas, generating a thorough report on poverty within a specific society. The Global Multidimensional Poverty Index or MPI known as the Alcare-Foster Method was created by the Oxford Poverty and Human Development Initiative to assess the extent and severity of poverty. This approach relies on three main dimensions health, education and living standards to gauge poverty levels within a country. The United Nations Development Programme has applied this method to ascertain poverty levels in more than 100 developing countries. The National Multidimensional Poverty Index or MPI evaluates various deprivations at the household level by utilizing NFHS data. Released by Niti Aayog, it encompasses three dimensions and 12 indicators. Sub-indices gauge both the headcount ratio, indicating the number of impoverished individuals and the intensity of poverty measuring the severity of poverty. A comparable global index, the Global MPI is published by the Oxford Poverty and Human Development Initiative in collaboration with the United Nations Development Program. The index provides a comprehensive assessment of multidimensional poverty at a global level. The assessment considers various dimensions and individuals or households are identified as multidimensionally poor if they experience deprivation across multiple dimensions simultaneously. This approach provides a more comprehensive understanding of poverty, allowing policymakers to design more precise and effective interventions Aimed at enhancing the welfare of those requiring assistance. I
2: am backed by the nation's trusted bank, SBI, I banker to every Indian.
0: The Neeti Ayog report said that Uttar Pradesh, Bihar and Madhya Pradesh registered the largest decline in poverty. Well, that is all for today. For more news, views and analysis, please log on to business-standard.com. For more news, views and updates, subscribe to Business Standard on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast and Spotify. Also follow us on YouTube, Vimeo, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn.